there someone in your life that just really bothers you? Do not look to your left or your right. <laughs> Do not look at the person who's watching the, this online with you. Do not look at the person in the car next to you. Uh, but is there somebody, seriously, who owes you? Is there somebody who has disturbed you, somebody who has hurt you, somebody who has offended you, somebody who uh, has just something hor- done something horrible? Uh, anywhere in between the two lines of that spectrum, I have a question for you. What do you do with that? What would Jesus say you should do with that? When somebody truly owes you, when, when they've just really got on your wrong side, where do we go then? Well, let's listen to what Jesus says because he has a very clear answer to this. This is Matthew eighteen fifteen. And if you want to find Matthew in your Bible, that's where we're going to be all morning. Matthew eighteen fifteen. Jesus said, if another believer, and he literally said, if your brother sins against you, you go privately and point out the offense. If the other person listens and confesses it, you have won that person back. So says Jesus, the smartest and wisest person who's ever lived. If you are the one who has been offended, if you are the one who has been injured, if you are the one who has a debt that is owed to you, the onus is on you, according to Jesus, to go try to make things right. If you are the one who has hurt, offended someone, you're the one who owes something, you probably ought to try to make things right as well. But if you are the one who has been injured, don't wait. You go and try to work it out. So says Jesus. And so we take Jesus seriously around here. We just all want to do that. However, I get it that you might have a question. And one of Jesus' closest friends had a question, and he's pretty much asking it for all of us. This is what Peter said. He's the apostle Peter, verse 21. Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone? Literally, how often should I forgive my brother who sins against me? Seven times? This is not a hypothetical question for Peter. His brother Andrew was literally also one of Jesus' followers. I kind of imagine Andrew's talking to Jesus, but he's making eye contact with Andrew. Lord, how often do I have to forgive this brother of mine who sins against me every day? Seven times? Now, you need to know what Peter's doing here. In his day, as he went to religious school, maybe growing up, the rabbis would have taught, the Jewish leaders would have said, you have to forgive someone three times when they sin against you. If they've offended you after three, you don't need to forgive them anymore. Peter, being a student of Jesus, knows how Jesus takes everything up a level. Peter probably thought, well, this is Jesus, so why don't I just take the three that I know we're supposed to do? I'll double it. Six. You know what? Seven's the perfect number. Let's just, Jesus, what do you say? Seven? Should I forgive Andrew or anyone else who sins against me seven times? Like they're negotiating. Does that sound good to you, Jesus? And Jesus goes, in typical Jesus fashion, no, not seven times. Go on down here to verse 22. No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven which is not literal. Some of you have already figured out that's 490, so you don't keep track on a napkin somewhere, and you hit 491, release the crack, and you are out. (laughs) Jesus has a way of really elevating things. He's not just saying, you know, about 500 times, give or take. He's saying as many times as it takes. And there's a cool thing going on here. Number one, it just sounds good in English. It sounded good in Aramaic. It sounded good in Greek, when, which is what the original New Testament was written in. But it sounds good in English, 70 times 7. But this is also really clever on Jesus' part. He really knew his Bible. Very beginning of all things, the first people that God created, Adam and Eve, in the very beginning in Genesis, we, we find out about our first parents, and they had two kids, Cain and Abel. First murder in the Bible, Cain killed his brother Abel. And uh, then because of that, 
Cain was cast out of the community. He lived in exile, and he was under a, a God's punishment, I guess you'd say. But then there's something that's told to us about his son, Lamech. And so this is in Genesis 4, 23 and 24, very early in human history. One day, Lamech said to his wives, so not only does his uncle have the, or his dad have the distinction of being the first murderer, he's the first polygamist in history. A lot of winning in that family. One day Lamech said to his wives, Ada, Zillah, hear my voice. Listen to me, you wives of Lamech. I've killed a man who attacked me, a young man who wounded me. If someone who kills Cain is punished seven times, the one who kills me will be punished 77 times. You know, just so much wrong right there. But that's the history of the world in NHL, isn't it? You know, my, my dad killed my uncle. I killed a guy who offended me. This is just how we do things now in this new world. And uh, 70 times 7. What do we expect, though? This is sinners raising sinners. And you fast forward however many, I don't know, thousands of years to Jesus' time. 2,000 years ago, Peter's asking the question, how many times? And Jesus goes, we're done with this whole 70 times, the 7 times thing. We're, gonna, we're not going to get back and get revenge and keep that cycle of violence going. We're going to get on the other side of this. We're going to offer forgiveness as much as it's necessary. And I don't know if you can relate to this on a level that just feels like, wait a minute, I don't think I came to, to service for this. Because maybe you didn't write a revenge poem, but this has like Southern Gothic written all over it. Maybe there's just a whole lot of things that have happened in your life that you feel like you deserve to get revenge for. If you could have been there with Jesus, you could have just said, look, if you would just hear me for a moment, as if Jesus doesn't already know, I'm sure you would agree with me that I am the one case in which it's right for me to get back. And Jesus says, no, we're gonna do things differently because the whole world is filled with hatred. We have so many ways of hurting each other, but it really boils down to attack and withdrawal. That's what Dallas Willard said, two sides of the same coin. I either hurt you actively, or I hurt you by withholding something that you deserve or that you would have expected from me or you could have counted on me. We're not gonna do that anymore. We're gonna interrupt the cycle. We're going to do things differently. We're gonna go and take initiative to work things out. We're gonna offer forgiveness as much as is necessary. And I can even see Jesus' followers right there in that conversation were thinking something. And it's like Jesus reads Peter's mind. It's like he reads our mind. He says, look, I can see that you guys are gonna wanna push back on this, so let me just tell you a little story. And that's what we're doing in this series. We're looking at the stories Jesus told, and he's about to launch into a doozy. And so there's something about these stories or parables that Jesus told. And you may not like, it may not sit well with you, the teaching that we're uncovering today, there are a lot of things that Jesus said are just really hard. But the beauty of us receiving a story from him is it allows us to just receive this parable, this earthly story, and just go, that's a good story, but it allows it to sink in over time. It allows us to wrestle with what Jesus is really trying to say. That's that heavenly meaning behind this earthly story. Let's dig into this. And we're gonna see from Jesus himself, the wisest, smartest person who's ever lived, how you get onto the plus side of being able to forgive people who have hurt you. And all of us have been there. So Matthew 18, 23, Jesus says, therefore the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. And that literally what Jesus said that he said he owed him 10,000 talents. We'll get back to that. Well, he couldn't pay, of course, so his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned to pay the debt. The king hasn't settled accounts for a while. 
He calls in his high-level executives. Don't let servant get in the way of what's really happening here. These are high-level executives. To be entrusted with that level of money, you had to have some ability, and you had to have been trusted with significant things. So the king, think of it like today. Warren Buffett has those top-level executives that run entire segments of businesses and oversee billions of dollars. So this is a servant who had a lot of responsibility that he misused. Comes in, and he owes the king 10,000 talents. The the NLT that I read from this translation in English says millions of dollars, but I don't think they did a good job of making it seem like, wow, it's a lot of money, but they didn't really get it right. What's the conversion rate on 10,000 talents, which is literally what Jesus said? Is that like pesos? Is it like 50 bucks? Is it a million dollars? What is it? Let me help you with this real quick. We're going to lift the hood so you can ignore this for the next minute if you're not really interested, but a talent back in uh, Jesus' time was a monetary thing, but it was really a weight. It was a measurement of weight. So when one talent was 50 pounds of something, which makes it hard to determine the value. Are we talking about 50 pounds of gold? You know, like you're in the gym. You got those 45 plates. Just imagine that with five pounds. And like gold, 50 pounds of gold, one talent is going to be worth more than 50 pounds, a talent of silver. Or maybe it's 50 pounds of gasoline, so it's worth more than any of that, right? But here's another conversion thing. This is where it gets helpful to me. One talent equals 6,000 denarii. And I know, like, what, what is that? But this is cool. A denarius is one day's wage. We all can figure out, what do I make in a day? That's one denarius. So a talent is 6,000 of those. I did a little napkin math, just going like, okay, let's say you just made 200 bucks a day. One talent is $1.2 million. So you go, oh, yeah. So the guy does owe millions of dollars. Not so fast. Does he owe one, two, or three talents to the king? One, two, three million dollars? How many does he owe? 10,000. I did the math on that. That's over 10 billion dollars. It's like 12 billion dollars. In other words, Jesus just says he owes a gazillion dollars. The point he's trying to make is, there is no way he is ever paying that back. And you might be thinking, how in the world does a person get that far into debt with a king? It can be done. This happened about 10 years ago. Steve Perkins was a London commodities trader. He got drunk one night, unfortunately went home and logged onto his work computer. About one in the morning, he managed to buy three quarters of the futures options for the global oil market. He cornered the market himself, personally drove the price of oil up $2 a barrel from 1 in the morning to 3 in the morning, fell asleep. He woke up at 6 in the morning to discover what he had done and did the only wise thing a person could do. He called in sick. How do you, how do you explain? Yeah, I'm personally responsible for that. You know, I, I'm now in debt with my company for s trillions of dollars. This is where the, I'm just telling you right now, the, the servant in Jesus' story, had he known how much he owed the king, would have called in sick. He would never have showed up that day if he realized just how much he owed. And so he's going to be put in prison. Don't let that bother you. We're talking about a culture 2,000 years ago. All Jesus is saying is the king was going to take every legal remedy available to him, and he was going to set an example. No one is ever going to miss use the king's money ever again after they hear about what happened to this guy being thrown in prison and being tortured because he's not going to pay that debt back in prison but verse 26 is where things pivot the man fell down before his master and he begged him please be patient with me and I will pay it all right there is no way there is no way he is ever paying that back I want you to feel the enormity of it just something that you will never get out from under. He's just begging for mercy, and the king's response is pure gold. Verse 27, his master was filled with pity for him, compassion, and he released him 
and he forgave his debt. You should sit on that for a second. You ever felt pity for someone right here? The word compassion literally comes from a feeling in your stomach. It's like you just, oh, I just hurt so bad. You do know that that is the same exact word that Jesus is described as having, that sensation of compassion when he saw real people coming to him who were hungry and who were just kind of disheveled and who had no idea what God had expected from them. And when people saw Jesus, they would just go, I gotta go spend time with him. I have to listen to him teach. And Jesus saw these enormous crowds coming to him and he said, look, these people... I've got so much compassion for them. They're like sheep without shepherds. They don't have anyone telling them how life really is. And they're making all kinds of dumb mistakes that are hurting themselves more. And Jesus never judged people. He taught them and he fed them and he healed them because he had compassion for them. Same exact thing. This king looks at a man who can never pay him back, owes him, absolutely owes him, but is never paying it back. And the king says, look, you can try to tell me you're gonna pay it back, but you're not. I just feel compassion for you. I'm gonna forgive your debt. We're just gonna call it even. Have a great day. Go kiss your wife. Go take your kids out to dinner at Applebee's because you do not owe me a thing. This is just an amazing thing. He canceled a debt the guy could not pay. In fact, if you just, if your person likes to write things down or if you just wanna think about this, this is a fantastic definition of forgiveness. It is canceling a debt that that person can never repay you. Forgiveness is a decision that you make to cancel a debt that you are owed. It doesn't take a Bible scholar to kind of start figuring out who's who in this story. The king is obviously God. Who's the servant who owes so much money? Moi. You. It's all of us. You and I, man, the smartest thing we could ever do is just come to church, come before God, in just a moment of humility and say, I think I owe God a debt that I can never repay. And the smartest and the wisest thing you can do, knowing what God is like, is to get on your knees and ask him to forgive you. Because that's literally the position we find ourselves in. And Jesus is just making it so clear with this story. And uh, we owe God more than we could ever imagine. Maybe we ought to be better than the guy in the story and just come to the terms with that and realize that and just realize the consequences of that. I don't know that we spend a lot of time thinking about that. You know the Bible says in Romans 6.23 that the consequences of the things we do wrong is death. It literally says the wages of sin, the paycheck for sin, the thing you actually earn with your life is death. That's why people die. It's why this world is a broken place. This is what we gained for ourselves. But the free gift of God, Romans 6.23 goes on to say, is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. So you got this paycheck that you earn and you've got this free gift that is offered to you. What do you do with it? I'm taking the gift, and I'm telling you, you should take the gift. That's why I preach every Sunday. That's what we teach your connection. The goodness and grace of God, the gospel, the good news of Jesus is he wants to forgive your sins. He's already paid the debt. It's a gift that you just receive, and you say thank you. You don't have to earn it. You could never repay it. Just accept it. It's a beautiful thing. Colossians chapter 2, verse 14 says, God canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. And he is willing to pay that. It's not like you're twisting God's arm. It's not like if you get yourself to church enough. It's not if you cry enough tears. It's not if you do enough good things. It's already there for you just to ask for it. 
And I don't know, but maybe this is the starting point that you, if you're finding it hard to think about forgiving other people in your life, need to realize. Just start by realizing how much you have been forgiven by God. You know, communion is a great time to do that. I don't know what you do at communion other than take the bread and, and drink the juice and remember Jesus, but it's a great time for you to talk to him and ask for some forgiveness that you need for the things you've done through the week. Remember the things that he has forgiven you of and the things that he has set you free from. It is an overwhelming thing in a good way just to realize how much better your life is in Christ if you are a Christian or to maybe imagine how much better your life could be if you were in Christ. Just let that wash over you. Why people come to worship is because you just realize I have been forgiven of so much. I'm walking out of here and I don't owe a thing. But man, this story goes on. I wish it didn't, but it does. Matthew 18, 28. When the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. That's literally 100 denarii. He grabbed him by the throat, demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell before him and begged for a little more time. Please be patient with me and I will pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested, put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. Anybody having deja vu here? Hello, dude, aren't you seriously just the one who was forgiven of a debt of trillions of dollars you could never repay just a moment ago? And your first thought is to go find the guy who owes you 100 denarii? Again, you guys now know we can do a little math here on the napkin. 100 denarii, is that a big deal or is that a small deal? One denarius is one day's pay. 100 denarii, we're talking $20,000 here. It's not like he borrowed a dollar for the Coke machine and forgot to pay it back. It's a pretty significant thing but what is $20,000 in comparison to what he had just been forgiven of? I want you to see something here. When God forgives us of so much and we turn around and don't even contemplate that we could forgive someone else who's hurt us, it looks just as absurd to God as it does in this story. After you have been forgiven of so much, you can't find it in your heart to try to offer forgiveness. What is, what is going on here? Please hear me, because I think you're smart enough to see where this is going. Some of the debts that God is going to call on you to forgive are not small things. There may be some rather significant hurts in your life that you've had to endure. There may be debts that you are owed that no one can pay you back for. There may be things that were taken from you that should never have been taken from you. There are things that happened that never should have happened. There are things that, that literally you should have experienced and you didn't. God knows that. And yet he still calls on you to cancel that debt, to release the ability to punish that person. It's not a small thing. And you say, well, I could never do that. No, you can't, not without God's help. But the measure of whether or not we forgive is not how much someone owes us, but how much we have been forgiven. We look at that. Colossians 3.13 says, make allowances for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Just go ahead and think of what God has forgiven you of. It's okay. I don't want you to beat yourself up over it, but I do certainly think it's helpful to just remember how far the Lord has taken you, what kind of mercy he has shown you. And I don't know, maybe you even sinned in some ways. You said, well, I swear I'll never do that again. And then you do. Does God forgive you even then? I know some of you maybe grew up in a background where you go, I don't know. He does. God already committed to forgiving you for everything you have done and will do before he accepted you into his family. 
and he wants you in turn to be able to live out of that mercy you've received, out of that forgiveness and grace that has been given to you, and turn around and show that to the other people around you who need it just as desperately as you do. I know this is a tough one to swallow. I know this is a hard teaching. As a pastor, I've had a front row seat to what people have done to each other, and, and I grieve for a lot of the things that people go through. I know this may be something that's bringing up some things for you that are very painful. I just know that the price of forgiveness is way too high. I was thinking about a news story I just saw. This actually happened like 10 or 11 years ago, but uh, the, the news story has been going on. Marion Hedges was walking out of a shopping mall in New York City with her son, and she did not know that there were a couple of teenagers eight stories up in the parking garage taking a Target shopping cart and dropping it over the edge, and she walked out just in time to catch it with her head devastating head damage. Fortunately, there was a surgeon right there who heard her son screaming and immediately went over and rendered CPR, saved her life. But man, she went through some things and she still is going through some things. Great cognitive loss. This was a sweet lady. She was there buying candy for all the neighborhood kids for Halloween. Just a generous, sweet lady. And her life was changed, her family, her relationships, forever. How do you get that back? How could those kids, and they caught the kids, how do they ever repay her? You know what she did? And she forgave them. She didn't have to. She took seriously what Jesus said. And again, the implications of this are for the rest of her life and for her family as well. I just think about all the other things that are going on in our world. You shouldn't have to worry that you're going to the grocery store in black and you're going to get shot just because of who you are. And this, this is so wrong. You shouldn't have to worry about being at church and somebody walking in with hate in their heart to start shooting. There are so many things that we've figured out that we can do to each other to hurt each other. They're just awful. Even in those situations, God says, look, I don't want you to be a person who hangs on to unforgiveness. I don't want that to do to your heart what it's going to do to you. I want you just to be willing to release the debt and try to make it right. And this is so much different than the world would teach us. But if we're ever going to fix what's wrong with us and what's wrong with the world, we have to think differently. And you might say, well, again, I just can't do that. You're right, you can't without God. But with God, you can do anything. The measure of forgiveness is not what we're owed, but we've been forgiven of. And the price of unforgiveness is just so enormous. Jesus makes it real clear down to verse 31. When some of the other servants saw this, the unforgiveness, they were very upset. They went to the king. They told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, you evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. This is so disturbing to see how much he'd been forgiven of and yet how little he was willing to extend to someone else. It's so absurd. And I just want to point out that when we refuse to show forgiveness, it gets God's attention. He notices that. He sees it. And Jesus makes the point of the entire story, verse 35. That's what my heavenly Father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. The king is God. You and I are the servants. And Jesus wants to make it abundantly clear that God wants to forgive you of everything, but he's not very happy when he sees his children refusing to show a measure of grace and mercy to those who need it, to people who can never pay you back. And he certainly wants to make it clear to you that you need to grow out of that if that's where you find yourself right now. And I get it. 
if you're just sitting here and you're going, that does look absurd. And maybe it's that you haven't had a big enough hurt in your life yet because when it's you, this doesn't look absurd anymore. It makes complete sense. Why would I want to let that person off the hook? Why would I want to let them get away with it? Why would I let them go through life and not knowing how much they've hurt someone else? They need to know how badly they've hurt someone. So unforgiveness, in a sense, feels like the right thing to do. It feels like they're getting a measure of justice in. But Jesus calls on us to change our perspective and to see ourselves together, that we are just simply sinners forgiving sinners. Sinners forgiving fellow sinners. God is the only one who can say, I've lived a perfect life. Jesus can say, I never offended, I never hurt anyone, but none of us can. So in light of all of that, in light of what Jesus has done for you, it's time to forgive. It's time today for you to start thinking about who it is that maybe you need to try to make things right with, to to let that debt go. And you say, well, I don't feel like it. And I'll just tell you this, I don't mean to be offensive, but forgiveness is not a feeling. And you can forgive someone and you don't even feel like you forgave. That's cool. It's okay. It's a decision you make. It's not a feeling you have. It's not somehow trying to forget everything. You don't try to do that. That's not right. That's not healthy. You don't have to do that. This is an invitation to view the people around you through eyes of compassion and mercy and try to see what's going on there. As Lisa Turkhurst points out in her book, Forgiving What You Can't Forget, she says it's hard to forgive and maybe it's even impossible to forgive without compassion. She points out that people who have hurt her, she realized later in life they were themselves going through great pain. And oftentimes it's true, you know this, hurt people are the ones who hurt people. So I'm not calling on you to restore a relationship that's unhealthy. Sometimes we need to have protective boundaries. Sometimes somebody is just not safe to be in a relationship with. Forgiveness is not like, oh, we just have to pretend like everything's okay. No, forgiveness is canceling the debt that you are owed, releasing it to God and saying, I'm gonna let God take care of this. I'm gonna put vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I'm gonna trust that he's gonna make this right, that he's gonna put things right for me. He's gonna take care of them. They're not gonna get away with it. But the debt's already been paid for you extend the mercy. I, I don't know if maybe this is something you need to work through today. Maybe you need to, need to make a phone call. Maybe you need to send a text. Maybe you just need to make a decision in your heart that you're going to release that debt. As one guy was talking on social media, he said, uh, as an adult, one of his bullies from school had reached out to him and said, hey, I was a real jerk to you, and I'm sorry. And the guy who had been reached out to said, but I'm not going to forgive him. I'm going to hold that over his head so that he never treats anyone like he treated me ever again. And I see where he's going with that, but that doesn't work. I think we just ought to listen to the wisest person who ever lived and said, let me tell you what actually does. It starts with you, right here in your heart. It's a simple decision between you and God and that other person to say, I'm just going to let this go. It's not easy. It's only by the grace of God that I can, but in light of how much God has done for me and how much compassion he's had for me, I'm going to have compassion for this person. I'm going to release the debt. Andy Stanley talks about this. He's a pastor in Georgia. He talks about it in his book, Enemies of the Heart. There's a way to do this. First of all, you just need to figure out what it is that you are owed and who it is that owes you. Then what you do is you make the decision to cancel the debt and you put it away somebody who owes you? What do they owe you? Can they give back those years? Can they give back those memories? Can they give back that money? Can they give back your reputation? Can they undo the things they did, the things they said? No. Just let it go. With God's help, let it go. 
and cancel that debt and close the case. As one woman said, she had been trying to do this and she literally just got to the point where she said, if I'm going to forgive this, she just wrote down literally what the person had done that so hurt her. And she said, I'm canceling this debt. She went out in the yard into the garden and she dug a hole and she buried it. She said, well, but a few days later, it started popping in her mind again what that person had done. She was so angry. She said, nope, that's gone. I released that debt. It's buried in the yard. She said, you don't know how many times I wanted to go dig that thing back up. But it's done. I want you to know that this is possible because when we take Jesus seriously and we start to try to do what he teaches, we're going to find that it's hard and it's impossible on our own, but with God's help, things that you could never do before become possible. The Holy Spirit within you, if you're a Christian, will enable you to do this. All you need to do is make the decision and you get, well, I, I forgave and I keep coming back. Okay, we'll just keep working at it. We'll just keep working at it. I want you today to maybe take something out of here and you do something with this. If you feel like you want to talk to someone about it later, I'm happy to listen. Uh, you can come to one of our connection leaders and talk about what happened. Or if you just want to talk about it today and process it, we're happy to help you take the next step. We believe that what Jesus is teaching here can literally change your life and change your relationships. And I want to say something very quickly, too. If you feel like you're on the other side of this, maybe you feel like there's some people that you need to ask for forgiveness from, this is a great day to do that as well. Yeah, if God's putting something in your mind, in your heart, it's probably best just to go ahead and do something about it right then. Let me pray for you, and uh, you just start thinking about what is it that I need to do with this, and maybe you already know what it is, and then maybe just as I'm praying, you ask God to help you. Uh, would you pray with me? Father, this may be one of the hardest things that we're faced with, just recognizing all the hurt that's in the world and has been in our lives and just what do we do with that? Will you help us with this? Will you help us release these debts that people owe us that, that they never could repay and maybe they don't even want to, maybe they don't care, but it doesn't matter. Just in light of your mercy and your grace to us, will you help us set people free? Will you help us to live in the freedom that you offer? Will you help us to accept your forgiveness and to know that this is real and true and genuine, that we have a new life with you where you don't hold anything over our heads. There is no condemnation coming from you when we are in Christ Jesus, that you forgive and you forget. And will you teach us to live that way as well? Father, I'm so thankful for this church, a place where people do take you seriously, that Jesus, we tried in every way to follow your teachings, and I pray you would help us with that. Uh, and just make this a place where more and more people come to know the life that is available only through you. And I pray all this in Jesus' name.